Blog Talk Radio. The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make it better. Welcome, everyone, once again to Blog Talk Radio, The Catch. And uh, we, uh, this is our half hour where uh, I love to share with you some of my favorite people and uh, get their good thinking on uh, what it means to connect, as we say, connecting life to faith. Um, so often faith and, and life and the culture we live are, are not connected very well. And, uh, uh, we have this artificial barrier often created between sacred and secular things. And, uh, I've spent a lifetime trying to break down that barrier. And that's one of our goals here on blog doc radio to uh, bring people who do that. And uh, they do it as a regular basis, uh, seeking to bring faith to play into um, all of life. And uh, <laughs> I was, uh, I'm writing about this in our catch today. I, I was reading a little bit about Kanye West because we were listening to him last night and uh Someone asked him in a recent interview, since he's come out, you know, so strong as as a as a Christian, does he consider himself a Christian music artist? And uh, I've, I'm very against using Christian as an adjective, because I think the I, I think the proper answer to that question is that uh, I, I'm a Christian who is a musician or an artist, but. I was surprised by his his reaction. I, I thought it was pretty good, actually. I've never even thought of it this way. He says, well, actually, he says, I'm a Christian everything. <laughs> and uh, uh, that kind of made me think about, you know, what Harry Blameyer says. Uh, Mark, I'm, I'm sure you've, uh, you, you know of, of Harry. And uh, he says we need to be we need to think Christianly about everything. And so that's really, uh, in a nutshell, what we try to do here uh, on Blog Talk Radio. And to help us do that is my good friend, Mark McDonald, who I met uh, probably 10 years ago um, with uh, Purpose Driven Life, where he was a, uh, a president of our division. Uh, I was working with uh, PurposeDrivenLife.com as a writer and uh uh, Mark and I worked together there trying to take the five principles of, uh, of uh, Rick Warren's uh, philosophy of ministry there and, uh, and, and kind of secularize them. In other words, open them up to people who might be closed to spiritual sounding or evangelical sounding words 
but open to the principle of what they stand for. And uh, that's part of what we do here in trying to reach across the culture um, into the marketplace. So uh, I'm sorry I talked a little bit too long. I'm taking time away from Mark. And uh, so please uh, welcome for a very timely discussion uh, today uh, our good friend Mark McDonald. Mark, welcome. Oh, thank you, John. Yeah, it's so yeah. wonderful to be with you, and I, I, I love that intro. I mean, uh, back a few years ago when uh, we had a, a lot of fun, you know, doing faith in life and trying to reveal it, and here we are again, you know, a few years yeah. later, but uh, you're bringing it back to life, and it was such such a joy to be able to, you know, create those bridges that you spoke about, about how do we start to talk about energizing the element of, of, of life into this weird world uh, that we're in and, and seems to get even weirder as we go along here, but uh, it's great to be with you, John. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah. Um, well, give us in a nutshell um, what you've been doing since, since those purpose-driven days. And um, uh, then, then we're going to talk about a particular subject, uh, but I want people to, people to just get a little bit familiar with who you are and, and what you do. Cause it's kind of, it's a little hard to get uh, my arms around it. And I'm, I'm sure, um, you know, you, you have ways of talking about it that can, can help us uh, understand more clearly what it is you do. I know you're doing a lot of coaching and uh, consulting things along those lines, but give us, a, give us an idea of, of, of what you do, Mark. Yeah, you know, it's it's um, it, it's fun to talk about because I, I always say to folks that uh, the the way that it seems like I was led through life was not necessarily completely in design, but hopefully just in terms of uh, God's faithfulness and 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 uh, nudges along the way. And uh, I'm a pastor's kid, grew up in a in a Baptist home, and uh, always had a passion and love for the church, and always had an affinity of wanting to know how God wanted me to encourage that church. But, uh, you know, after a a time of education, uh, you and I spent uh, times at uh, Wheaton College and graduated Mm -hmm. there, thankfully. They let us out. But um, (laughs) after that, uh, you know, I I was quite consumed with just the whole way that I was capable of, of starting to relate to people even outside the church. I was always wanting to understand how, do, how can I relate not only my faith, but also just the element of what does it really mean to impress people uh, and bring potential out of them. So even at a young age, meaning, you know, 22, 23, 24, uh, I, I knew elements of what my wiring was, but I knew that I wasn't necessarily going to be the type of preacher or wired like the type of preacher that my father was or even uh, you know, some of my previous uh, grandfather, grand, great-grandfather, I think I came from five generations of ministers and broke the mold. Wow. But, um, wow. That's so I, yeah, that, that that's, I don't know if that, that was a something where, where I veered off or whether or not I actually was going the right <laughs> direction then. But I, uh, but I did find myself attracted just to um, the elements of people consulting um, early in my mm-hmm. career. And, um, that got me into the strategy world, the people empowerment world, and uh, I just absolutely loved it and saw the applications of it, even from a biblical standpoint. So uh, mm. from then that point on, um, you know, I started to utilize some of the consulting that I gained and learned over time in a hybrid situation where I was in 
I got a chance to be in the corporate world, uh, working on strategy issues, uh, working on branding issues. I became a brand consultant and, and led a company three or four years around that as well. Got into the technology side. And I uh, realized that I had three interesting uh, competencies um, developing here. One was around strategy, one was on branding, and one was around technology. And it gave hmm. me an opportunity to just take a, a pause and say, you know what, maybe I can start taking this into the ministry world and, and find ways to start accelerating certain ideas and, and ministries such as Purpose Driven with Rick and Promise Keepers and Focus on the Family and a variety hmm. of different groups and see if I could encourage them there. So. Um, that led me into, you know, a wonderful uh, world of you know, probably 20 years of doing that. And then um, uh, most recently over the last five or six years, just got excited about taking a lot of those experiences into the coaching world. And now I'm spending time, time primarily with executives. And I love especially the younger executives under 35 that are just curious about their lives. How can they, uh, how can they lead better? What about the elements of just the, uh, uh, the, the the power that they have in leading their cultures, their organizations, what about their family life, what about their inner life. And so I've been able to put together a practice that takes all those different elements and, and trying to find as many ways to help them achieve their potential all the way back to when that was defined for me back when I was 22, 23. So that's what I've been doing is just helping people uh-huh. achieve their potential based on how the Lord has, has uh, wired them as well as me. Uh Mark, I've heard the term life life coach. Is, is that is that what you would call yourself, or is that not quite it? Yeah, great question. You know, there's there's usually four different worlds that you know you get into the coaching world: You're a life coach, executive coach, organizational coach, or you can be a technical uh, type of coach. You know, which has a broad meaning wow. as well. Yeah, I typically get into more of the uh, a blend of the executive and organizational side, um, but you know all these things blend extremely well to, to the issues of life. So, um, you know, I find myself, especially during the pandemic right now, I'm doing more what I call buoyancy coaching more than anything, just because we are just so um, uh, mired in the element of just cognitive overload and, and just needing more emotional regulation than, than ever, and trying to make sense of uh, from day to day and getting that Zoom fatigue and trying to understand, you know, how to relate to, uh, you know, the relate to the company, relate to my employees, relate to uh, my family. And, and so those things all seem to stem together. So there's an element of life that's consistent to all of them, John. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but typically it's in the executive coaching and, and organizational okay. side, strategy side, or whatever that might be. Okay. Um yeah, I'm I'm very excited about uh, hearing some of that. And, you know, I told you I'm on a trip right now with my son, who's 21 and uh, doesn't know what he wants to do with his life, but has an idea. And and that's what we're re- researching. So I I'm, I'm very excited about uh, maybe uh having you talk with him. I, I, I'm not sure that's going to happen today, but we will, we will see. We'll do it soon. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. So we're, yeah, I love, I love young leaders like Chandler that are in that mode. They're interested in trying to understand, you know, where to be led. You know, I think I had mentioned yeah. to you a while back that um, we don't, we don't, you know, we shouldn't be searching for jobs. We should be searching for the, the, 
the, the inner ways that we're wired in such a way that allows us to start moving toward the outcomes that certain jobs might have. So I think we've gotten it turned around sometimes. Uh-huh. And uh, so I love young leaders like like cool. uh, your son Chandler to, to be able to breathe into some of that. That'll be fun. Um, Mark, we uh, when we talked yesterday, um, getting ready for this interview, uh, I was fascinated with with your discussion of, of trauma and, and uh, uh, your personal experience recently that, that, that brought you face to face with that and, uh, and yet a much wider application to our, to our whole culture in this incredible year we've been through. So uh, let, let's jump in to that. And uh, uh, I'd love to have you uh, start to relate, to us some of the things you've been learning lately about, about this. Yeah, it's very timely, John, because uh, early uh, February I was um, in a snowmobile accident and um, it was a pretty rough one. I, uh, I, I actually feel thankful in, in so many different ways that I, I came out of it just with a, a broken femur. Um, and uh, it's a long story in terms of how I ended up in, in a boathouse garage door, but uh, the long and the short of it is that I, I, I did, and I uh, ended up in Lake Winnipesaukee up in, uh, up in New Hampshire, which I'm sure some of your listeners have been to before. But, um, you know, it, what was remarkable about the whole experience is that I was sitting in Lake Winnipesaukee and experienced something that I never had experienced before. You would think that uh, there would be just a, a tremendous amount of um, anxiety and, and pain and, and uh, just complete fear. And uh, in reality, it was quite the opposite. I, I almost just started to have a very, uh, a very uh, cognizant spiritual experience that wouldn't necessarily be defined in the way that we might sense that in, in, um, in church, but uh, almost felt like I had been prepared uh, for what was taking place, and um, but it was it wasn't where I just landed in a garage. I, I ended up in, in a lake, and uh, very quickly I started to develop some hypothermia after being in the water for several minutes. And I had shared this story with you because I have been I've been actually studying in terms of uh, some of the neuroscience leadership that I've been training under over the last four or five years, uh, trying to understand the ways that we respond to certain aspects of our life. Trauma, obviously, is, can be the most uh, you know, distinct and most extensive where, where so many different elements of loss or pain can take place. But uh, even just the, the subtle elements, sometimes even the pandemic of just uh, disappointments mm-hmm. or things that might not necessarily be going our way and the emotions get out of, get out of control and all. And so the last three or four years, I've been very intentional about trying to you know, walk through some of the practices and the learnings that I've, I've used and, and attending to it in my inner life, you know, trying to practice what I preach as well. And just wanting to, you know, this, this key, this key word of, of being present, sensing God's presence and being present uh, has just been a theme for me for, for the last several years. And I, I realized when here I am sitting in this cold water and I'm, sitting on the machine, still conscious, and with my leg in a very sad state. I, never, I didn't have uh, any type of ability to use it. 
starting to become hypothermic, starting to lose some level of consciousness. And it was as if I was just being, the, my hand was being held by this, this presence next to me. And um, I, hmm. uh, I, 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 I always apologize to folks when I tell this story because I, I can get emotional about it because all of a sudden this, this experience of trauma started to take me into a whole different step-by-step of just comfort and, and courage and an element of just care that I had never experienced before. And um, my buddy was on, uh, my buddy that I had been snowmobiling with, who wasn't able to reach me at the moment, um, uh, was, you know, he was about, he was always fairly close to me, but he could not get me out of the water. And he just, huh. even afterwards, just said, I can't believe how calm you were, how you weren't screaming in pain and, and all these different things. And I just said to him, I said, it's just remarkable, even though I felt, um, that this was not a good situation. This was <laughs> this was trauma. There was there was something that overtook me. So, you know, I I think all of us have gone through. I was trying to relate it a little bit, John, to, to all these different things that we've been going through, and yeah. uh, as a as a country, as a world, and um, and recognizing that there's no simple solution for it all. Um, there's there's ways that we begin to process it and can get frustrated and trying to do so. But I, I, you know, this, this thing has just been become so poignant in my life because I've gone through this experience and recognizing that um, the presence the sensing God's presence and walking through and being present with him in the moments that we have, whether it be slamming into a, a boathouse garage door and, and being prepared for that um, in just a unique way, trying to be faithful and trying to sense the spirit in any moment and time that I could be um, and just walking through that. So, um, you know, we can talk about, you know, some of those things, those framing things in a moment, in a, a moment, how, how I, I tried, I've tried to do that and, and how I've been so overwhelmed by uh, the results of it all. But I, I will also say, as I said to you yesterday, that I, I think what's been, and what's been challenging for us all is relating trauma to the elements that each one of our spiritual walks might have been going through, or for that matter, mm-hmm. the bigger context, you know, how our church has, um, how our church has, has walked through the last you know, yeah. several years, and especially this, this past year, being separate from each other and being divided from each other and being mm-hmm. reminded of the declines in our church and all. Um, and so those are the kind of things that have been, very poignant in terms of my, my thought patterns and, and, and relating this experience. Uh, I'm happy to, to talk more about that with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, how does it, let's draw it out. Um, um, in terms of, uh, let's put it in terms of, of, uh, the trauma we're all experiencing with this, with the pandemic and, I don't know, Mark, but I, I I'm experiencing a, a certain trauma about the church and about Christianity and how the world looks at Christians and um, yep. you know it and and it's it is what's wrong about that and and what can we possibly do about it as individuals who are following Christ. Uh, um, it's almost like we have to come up with new terms 
to talk about who we are and what we do um, because it, there's, I don't know, it just seems like uh, all the all the words we've been we've been holding on to for so long, like even Christian or evangelical, or you know, they they've just been dragged through the mud. And uh, yeah. you know, uh, I don't know. I, talk about that a little bit. Um, how how yeah. do we how, how do we deal with with this this current culture that we're in? especially as it relates to our faith. Yeah. Well, I think you even started to pull apart a couple pieces of the onion there, John, is that, um, you know, what I've, what I realized um, very quickly is culture was telling me things about what an evangelical was that I, I didn't you know, agree with. I, I did, I didn't see myself as one of them any longer based on just, you know, market definition mm-hmm. And uh, so I, you know, what was the naming that you were just referencing? I, I just started to call myself a redemptive Christ follower because mm. it seemed to me that the action that um, I was needing to live through uh, as well as just being called to is that there was a redemptive action that I needed to be a part of. And I needed the centrality of that. You know, what was my focus? You know, in neuroscience, we talk about what's, my, what's our attention, whatever your attention is. Uh, starts to lead to the element of intention. And for me, as well as for those of us that have have, um, have wanted to seek Christ and make us, ourselves followers of Christ, um, that was what it was all about. So naming it as that has really helped me not get caught up in the muck and the mire. But I, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time, um, you know, talking with pastors, talking with um, business leaders that are also Christ followers as well. And you know, we have these two different worlds that we're dealing with right right now. We have the church world, the local church piece that um, is in turmoil. You know, we, you know, pastors are dealing with a lot of different issues of of, um, of, of challenges. They're being told that mm-hmm. the churches are declining, and, and I apologize for overgeneralizing, but these these are yeah. you know, this is the this is the data. But we all know that the we're being told that things are on decline. You know, we have divisions that obviously not only at our Thanksgiving table, but, you know, all, all in, in all different facets of, of our lives. And the challenge around the divisions is they're not even sought out as creative conversations any longer or means to be able to be curious with one another. They're, they're leading to, you know, one of the most formidable problems, which is a disgust for one another. And once again, if you look at the cognitive side of division or trying to find ways of, of peace or learning from each other, you don't want division to go to disgust because all of a sudden, you know, the brain takes over a much uh, stronger type of emotional network, and um, and we become enemies to each other. We become outgroups to each other in, in uh, the way that brain science is formed. So we're at that point now. In those other things, you know, I sit down with pastors, division, decline, disappointment. They everybody's telling them I'm disappointed in the church, and so then we have all these disillusionment so those four d's are i think prevalent and uh, mm. so we look at the church as structures as buildings as you know an element of an organization that that um isn't necessarily um the type of institution that we grew up with does not have that dynamic or that redemptive side that we talked about before so 
You know, I do believe, John, that it really comes down to your suggest, suggestion a few moments ago is that it has to come back to us. The, the finger as well as the beam has to come back to us and recognizing how am I going to be in an important part of this redemptive signaling that um, mm. Mm. where I'm not part of the division, but I am part of the curiosity and clarity. You know, I, wow. I think that's an important part on the neuroscience part is not neuroscience that uh, has been so prevalent, especially the last couple of years, is that, mm-hmm. you know, we've been a faith-driven society that has been very geared toward wanting and seeking certainty. The brain loves it, and our and our faith typically loves that as well. But, you know, living in the world that we are today, where there's certain things that we, we obviously are we're, we're certain about in our faith, but when you start looking around culture, the only thing that we can we can gain is clarity. We we there's nothing that that uh, we can see anchored any longer. And um, uh-huh. most important part for me around that is you know what about our next generation? What about the the Chandlers and you know my son and daughter Ryan and Aaron, um, yeah. where they're the ones that are going to be. Um, uh, trying to understand, you know, what are the things that they can anchor to? Is it faith? Is it an element of of finding, you know, clarity in, in, the, in the, the health issues and the social issues and the financial and economic and, the, uh, you know, all the ecolo- ecological issues as well. So, I, you know, for, for me, what I've, what I've done is I've, I've said, you know what, it does start with me and uh, I need to uh, understand that I'm in trauma. I need to understand that my my friend John is in trauma, and what is it that we need to do to sit down and and uh, start encouraging each other using the redemptive Christ follower as the centrality mm-hmm. of what that conversation mm-hmm. drives. You uh, you mentioned Mark that uh, about uh, this uh, this almost mystical sense of of comfort mm-hmm. and presence that you had in the middle mm-hmm. of that situation. Um, can you draw that out into uh, for the rest of us now in, in, into you know how do we deal with the trauma we face every day? Is yes. that yeah, brilliant, yeah. John? Brilliant. Thank you for bringing that out. Uh, you know that's been part of this whole idea of uh, for me in the last several years is that I've I've recognized just this wonderful mystery of Christ that is uh, that that is there for the taking. You know, twenty four seven, and I. Um, I think that that of you know I've I've just talked about it as the three C's um, um, and as I learn how to be present, sensing God's presence and being present uh, for Him as well as for others, you know the, the posture that I take is a, is a is a posture of curiosity. You know it's it's not a posture of certainty, but it's a posture of curiosity. I'm constantly whether I'm in a conversation with somebody. Um, I'm always listening, trying to understand, you know, what is it that the Lord is painting a picture here? How should I be mm-hmm. present for them and understanding, you know, what the Holy Spirit is, is saying in this moment? Um, you know, the second C is the element of courage. What is it that in this particular moment where I don't have to fear, but in reality I can walk alongside and um, where it's faith, not fear, and bring courage into this conversation. If there's something that, you know, I need to do or something, if I need to get myself out of this, this wonderful uh, cold water with a broken leg and, and recognize that the, the, the spirit's going to help me do that, give me strength to it. 
uh, I recognized the, just the mystery of how in the world I ever got out of that with my body. We later found out my body went down to 88 degrees. And so I, I just marvel at that uh, experience. And then the third one is, is the whole issue of, of actually this, I, I call it in terms of care and compassion. Uh, is that in this moment in terms of being present and uh, what I'm sensing, is that what is, what is being revealed to me and how I need to care for this person or the situation and what is the action of compassion that, that can take place here? And I, I'll tell you, John, when, when, I was, um, when, nine, when all of the EMTs and the paramedics got, it seemed like the whole town had arrived to take care of me, but I, I, was, I was just absolutely amazed at the, I'll call it a theology of care, and compassion, if you will, because mm. as soon as I was there and they finally got, you know, I finally got out of the water and they were, and they knew that I wasn't going to die at that point. Um, it was remarkable how everybody came around the responsibility to care for me, to bring compassion to me. And what mm. that allowed me to do is, is to also do the same. I mean, I, I just was just, I just was memorized how, I was experiencing the spirit sitting, sitting there. And um, so, you know, this, this mystical element of who Christ is seeking out presence 24 seven, not just on Sunday morning, you know, during the worship experience, but recognizing as I go to work, sitting in Lake Winnipesaukee with my wife, whatever the case may be, you know, how, what is it that I'm supposed to tend to, to be curious here? What is it that uh, I might need to, be courageous about and not let fear or letting the elements of fear overtake me. And then uh, what is the moment for care and compassion so that I can create uh, this as a, as a beautiful experience. So I do think there's, you know, mm. in terms of a beautiful moment we have right now, we've been given the pandemic to create a beautiful moment. And it's, wow. it starts with the meditation of, of, uh, of that as, as an opportunity to just be faithful and uh, and you know we don't have to go around, you know, painting uh, rosy pictures of what that might be. But we but we can begin to paint a, a wonderful picture of what God might want us to to be a part of and what that picture might look like uh, as each one of us you know takes that responsibility. So that's wow. the mystery I think that uh, we're given right now and what it means wow. to be a re- redemptive Christ follower is. And at least right now for today <laughs> wow. Wow. that I'm enjoying. That's wonderful, Mark. I, I, I'm looking at my, my watch and, and, and our time's up. I can't be. Um, I, I've got one more question, so I'm going to push this just a couple more minutes because um, okay. uh, you, you, you kind of tied into this earlier. Um, it, it's, hard, it's hard not to be negative. And, and I love the way you've been painting it because you've been painting a real positive picture for us. And, uh, but it, it's hard. What I'm finding is it, as a, there's a per, kind of prophetic, I have a prophetic nature in, in me, in my gifts. And, um, mm-hmm. and it's very easy for me to say, no, not that, but this. And, um, I noticed that Jesus did that, you know, all, all over Matthew five, he says, uh, mm-hmm. you have heard it said, you know, but I say to you, and he completely rewrites um, much of, of what true spirituality is there. So I, I do think there's a place for that, but how do we do that without 
you know, how do we do that without being negative and, and uh, uh, bad-mouthing certain people and that kind of thing? Yeah. So, I, you know, uh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, the um, the thing that I, I... I, I think the thing for me that I've I've tried to work extremely hard at, you know, especially in terms of the curiosity piece that I just mentioned, is that, mm-hmm. you know, we uh, in these conversations that we have, you know, I'm I'm doing more listening because I, you know, I understand some of the I understand the division and I understand also the brain science that each one of us can get caught up. It doesn't take long for us to develop a habit. Um, uh, you know, from from something that just becomes uh, could be negative, it could be dysfunctional, it could be something that we believe that some le- level of bias that our in group told us that we had to believe, or we would mm. feel like we were we were part of the out group, so to speak. So I I understand the frailty of of the brain in that way that then the mind all of a sudden starts to not be renewed as Romans 12 takes place. So I do think John, where there's there are elements where I, I do think we need courage. We need to speak into truth. It's part of, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's the process that I think that we have to understand. It's, it's the de-escalation. It's starting to understand, you know, the element of, of really what John does the best in the gospel for, in my stamp, standpoint is just the definition of love. You know, mm-hmm. what is this, what is this mm-hmm. whole idea of getting to the depth of, you know, love, not anger. And, I, I, I think we simplify emotions. This is a whole other potential show we could have, but we simplify our, our emotions around anger, happy, and sad. That's what really what the, you know, what, what you would learn from just the social side, the social side of emotions study, and that uh, we we really only look at life in those three different categories. But there's a whole new way that we can be able to sit down and, and start to understand where did some of these things come from. And, you know, what is it that I'm taking from this person that I, you know, first and foremost, I can't become, I can't be caught up in it, but I can, I can learn to figure out ways to be able to, to love them and recognize that, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily know how to help you, but let's, let's figure out a way to be able to point back to that centrality, who Christ is as the, as the lover of all lover and, and find mm-hmm. ways to be able to, to dialogue around this. But it is not. It's going to take a while to unravel these things, John. And mm-hmm. the way that I've figured it out is, is to listen, listen deeply, and and be uh, as convicted about myself as being part of the solution rather than part of the problem. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, Mark, I can tell that uh, we're just going to have to have you on again because we we there's so much we. We didn't even begin. I, I really want to hear some more about your your studies in neuroscience and how that's affected things. Uh, that that sounds like very intriguing. So, will will you come back? <laughs> Love to, John. Always. We always had fun. We always had a, a wonderful time trying to uh, find words for these kind of things. So I'd welcome that. And it's great to be okay. with you and, and your audience as well. Okay, well, we will. We'll look forward to um, uh, having you back. Uh, thanks for getting us started. This was, uh, this was wonderful today. So God bless, and I'm glad that, you, I'm glad you, that you're here and that you made it through that, that uh, dramatic experience, and uh, we'll trust for God to help all of us 
um, in, in, in the traumas that we experience day to day. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, John. Okay, Mark. God bless. Thanks so much. Bye. Well, there you go, folks. Um, wasn't that good? That was so good. And uh, we will have Mark back for sure, because I, I feel like we just scratched the surface on uh, what he's able to talk to us about and, and, and what we need to hear. So uh, uh, hang on to some of these things. I love the three C's, curiosity, courage, fair and compassion. There you go. Hang on, listen, listen to this some more. You got it. You got to do it. God bless. We'll see you next week. Take care.